Now let's open our Bibles then to the 13th chapter of the book of Leviticus. And I'll give you a couple of verses in this 13th chapter and one in the 14th to show you. And we'll talk about it in a little bit. In verse 13, verse 9, it says, When the plague of leprosy is in a man, then he shall be brought unto the priest. Now then, in verse 47... It says the, the garment also that the plague of leprosy is in. So it's in a man or it's in a garment. And then in the 14th chapter, verse 34, the last part of it. Well, let's read the whole verse. When you be come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you for possession, and I put the plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession. So... There it was in a house. So you have these three verses. The plague was in what? It's in a person, in a man. It's in a garment. And it's in a house. So these are three places that you would find leprosy. And of course, to define what you would find in each case, you have to read the context to see what it's all about. But uh, let's read 13 verses 9. through 17. 9 through 17. And it's so much reading that we'll just point out the special places because I was kind of dependent on you to read that at home, the 13th and 14th chapters. And by the way, we won't finish the lesson, so be sure and read them again and at least the 14th chapter for this next lesson. It says in verse 9 of the 13th, when the plague of leprosy is in a man, then he shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall see him. And behold, if the rising be white in the skin, and it have turned the hair white, and there be quick raw flesh in the rising, it is an old leprosy in the skin of his flesh. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. Now, verse 12, And if the leprosy break out abroad in the skin, and the leprosy cover all the skin of him that hath the plague, from his head even to his foot, wheresoever the priest looketh, now look at verse 13, Then the priest shall consider, and behold, if the leprosy hath covered all his flesh, he shall pronounce him clean that hath the plague. It is all turned white, he is clean. Uh, We'll have some more to say about that. I said we'd read on down, but that's sufficient uh, for the time being. Uh, I really am depending on a lot of you to uh, be familiar with the context here because it's rather difficult to continue to just go verse by verse in this type of lesson. But chapters 13 and 14 have to do with... uh, uh, the subject of leprosy. Now, of all the priestly functions, none demanded more patient attendance or more strict adherence than that of the discernment and treatment of leprosy. There's two things the priest had to watch. He had to watch the purity of the assembly, the people, that they would not be contaminated. And he had also uh, realized that no member could be excluded except on the most clearly established grounds. It, it had to be proven that this individual had leprosy. Now, whether it's old or new, uh, we just read that concerning the old leprosy and 
new leprosy. And there's some things we need to understand about both of those, but we'll get to them as we uh, give you our thoughts. And therefore the priest urgently needed five things. First of all, he needed watchfulness. He needed calmness. He needed wisdom and patience. And then especially tenderness in dealing with an individual that had leprosy. Remember when Jesus dealt with it. You remember the ten lepers that came to Him for healing or cleansing, I should say? And uh, Jesus cleansed one leper. Or did He cleanse all of them? He cleansed ten, didn't He? But only one came and gave Him thanks. So you would think only one was cleansed. By the way, that's kind of what you have in the church today. Many people have received the blessing from the Lord. And Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? He says, where are the nine? Only one returned to thank Him. And we have that a similar situation in churches throughout the land today. Look at the number of Christians, of people that have accepted Christ, that have been redeemed, that have been saved. And then all of a sudden, they drift away and they get out of church and, and you... And you don't know where they are. And by the way, if you miss church two or three times, I'm going to see about you. And find out why. Find out why. Because I, I love you. And I want everyone to know that, you know, we're all like a flock or a family. And we don't want anyone to be absent uh, without knowing there, if there's a reason for it. If there's sickness or if there's... Uh, problems or trials or whatever you're going through, we want to know about it. At least I do. And I think the whole church family does. And therefore we're concerned. And there was tenderness on the part of the priest back there. Watchfulness, calmness, wisdom, patience, and tenderness. But when Jesus uh, cleansed the ten, He told them to go show show themselves to the priest. And uh, so that the priest could declare them uh, cleansed. Because He had cleansed them. By the way, another thing, not only was there only one that came and gave Him thanks for the cleansing, and He said, where are the nine? But it came to pass when He said, uh, go and show yourselves to the priests, that as they went, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. They were not cleansed immediately in front of Jesus. You read the story of it. And it says, as they went. Sometimes we're just to do what the Lord tells us and expect that He's going to help us whatever the situation is. And as you go, as you go on your way doing what He tells you to do, and He's merely told them they knew they were unclean. Why would they go show themselves to the priest and Him him to have to say that uh, they were unclean? That was the obvious thing that he would tell them if something didn't happen along the way. But when they got there, the priest could now pronounce them all cleansed. And so we, we realize that uh, there's very many things that are uh, urgently concerned about watchfulness, calmness, wisdom, patience. Uh, there were some things that seemed trifling which were in reality very serious. 
and some things that looked serious which were in reality trifling. When the priest examined the leper, some things were uh, looked very serious that were just trifling because he, he could say that they were clean. And vice versa. Some things that looked just trifling and if there was that raw flesh underneath, it was very contagious and uh, it was very serious because it was not yet full-blown. And uh, there's, there's a full study on recognizing what was taking place uh, individually, but uh, we really find that uh, a judgment uh, was rash, rashly formed that was rashly formed might involve the most serious consequence, so he had to be very careful about what he did. This accounts for the following expression, the priest shall shut him up that hath the plague seven days. It says the priest shall look on him the seventh day, if you read the context. And then the priest shall shut him up seven more days. And then he shall look again uh, the seventh day. And it says the priest shall see him. Then the priest shall consider. So he had to examine thoroughly. No case was to be hastily judged or decided with haste. The priest was not to be guided by his own thoughts or by his own feelings or his own wisdom. He must be guided by the Word of the Lord and he must understand the seriousness of the situation that he's looking at. Leprosy is always a type of sin. It's a picture of sin, by the way. A type. And it could be received in three ways. <clears throat> now, these are three, three very important words. You need to write these down. It could be received by inheritance. You could inherit leprosy. And secondly, by uncleanness. And thirdly, by association with leprosies, with a leper. By evil, by leprous association. Get these three things. Inheritance, uncleanness, or association with leprosy. And you have a scripture in the New Testament that will go right beside these three things. By inheritance, Romans 5 verse 12. Write that one down, by inheritance. Because the Bible says, for by one man, if it's typical of sin, it says, for by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death hath passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. That's inherited sin. Inherited sin. And then by uncleanness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it shows uncleanness. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Uncleanness is attached to sin as well. And then about evil association or association with leprosy. Second Corinthians 6 verse 14 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And there's a whole uh, passage there from verses 14 through 18. Second Corinthians 6 verse 14 through 18, but especially verse... Uh, uh, 14, it starts it out. So be not unequally uh, yoked together with unbelievers. You know, we preached, I believe, Sunday in our message and brought out a point about the fact that when you have evil associations, it affects you. I forget what message I preached, but I'm sure that that thought was in there somewhere. 
So, uh, evil associations. By the way, if you want another scripture that will help you on that, let me turn, I believe it's the book of Proverbs. I didn't have this one down, but Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 is a good one. I want you to notice what it says here. Proverbs chapter 4. Let's begin reading. The whole of it's good, but let's uh, begin uh, reading with verse uh, 13. Uh, It says, Take fast hold of instruction. I mean fast hold. Get a good grip on it. Let her not go. This instruction needs to be held on to, right? If you get instruction from God's Word, don't just count it loosely. Don't hold on to it loosely. Keep, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Did you know instruction is your life? That's what you build upon. Now let's go on. Enter not into the path of the wicked. That's separation, isn't it? That's not associate yourself with evil. And go not in the way of evil men. And it says, avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. And pass away. And you could go on and on. The whole chapter is good. But it tells you to avoid, to pass by, to go on your way, to just leave it alone. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man. What does it say? That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And says, The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Listen. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And by the way, those six verses in the first psalm is an introduction to all of the psalms, 150 psalms. You know why? Because it talks about the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. It talks about evil and good all the way through the Psalms. And it gives you a choice of how you're going to live. You're going to live for God or you're going to live otherwise. And so, uh, what I wanted to point it out, point out is that <clears throat> leprosy is a type of all kinds of sin. Inherited sin and uncleanness in your life and also association with leprosy is how it was con- uh, con tacted and contracted, I should say, and taken, uh, and how you were contaminated by association in. Remember, the leper had to stand afar off and he had to put his hand over his mouth or lip and cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. And people dare not approach them. They didn't want anyone to approach them. And no one wanted to because it was that contagious. Now, leprosy in a person is a working of moral evil in any person. It's the working of moral evil. It's a picture of that. Though it was a real disease, and it was a terrible disease, yet it, it, it's, it's a symbol of the working of moral evil in any person. 
or in any member of the assembly, the congregation. And God's assembly must be kept pure. Why is God's church to be kept pure? Because it is God's dwelling place. The church is to be kept from all of that. That's why Paul uh, had to deal with members of the church that were committing terrible things. No, no leper could be allowed to remain within the hallowed precincts of God's habitation of the church. And we talk about that as church uh, di- discipline. And over in the book of Second, no, it's First Corinthians, I believe. First Corinthians, chapter five. Uh, you ought to write down at least verses six through nine. That the whole chapter, the whole passage is good from the first verse, but it deals with a certain person in the early part of the of the fifth chapter that had committed such a sin that it was Paul says that it should not even be named among the Gentiles. That a man should have his father's own wife. He's talking about incest, fornication. And worse. And anyway, pick up with at least verse uh, 5. He says, to, li- to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now he says in verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Now they were, they were hesitant to do this. They were hesitant to discipline this unruly person that had committed such a sin in the church. He says, Your glowing is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven... By the way, you remember we studied that leaven is a type of sin as well. That a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. Unleavened because of this sin there. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, that is typical of sin, neither with a leaven of malice and wickedness, but with an unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And then he goes on to say, I wrote unto you in, the, in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators. He says, you can't have any fellowship. Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. And But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, no, not to eat. In other words, your fellowship is broken with that kind of a, uh, that kind of a thing in the church. And so, leprosy had to be dealt with because God's dwelling place has to be kept pure and no leper could be allowed in the Old Testament to remain uh, in those hallowed precincts of, the, uh, of God's habitation. Now, you say, well, we're all sinners. Sure, we're all sinners. But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about a person contaminated with a disease of sin and will not be cleansed of it. In his life. That's why Paul said in Second Corinthians, I gave you chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and of the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God's people are to make an act of cleansing their lives. 
Even though we know that we sin, even though we know that uh, we have trials and sometimes temptations, yet we're to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the Spirit. In other words, we cannot be seen to live in sin and wallow in sin. Peter says that the, that the sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mire. But God's people are not, sheep, uh, not hogs, they're sheep. Now you put, a, you put a sheep there in the mud and he'll tiptoe around and he'll get out of that mud hole as quick as he can. Now he got in the mud, didn't he? But he'll get out of it. But you take a, you can take an old uh, prize hog and you can dress them up and wash them down and perfume them and take them to the county fair and they'll win either the red ribbon or the blue ribbon. You come back home, let them out of the truck, and the first thing they head for is the wallowing in the mire because it's their nature. And that's why God's people are safe and secure because we're classified not as an unclean animal, but as sheep. We're God's children. The Bible says in Psalms time and again that we're the sheep of His pasture. Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them and they follow Me. And He says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He says, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck, pluck them out of my Father's hand. That's John chapter 10, verse 27 through 31. He says, I and my Father are one. Alright? Now then, let's consider the disease of leprosy. First of all, from the physical point of view, there was nothing more loathsome than leprosy. Totally impurity. Vile and humiliating. You remember they had leper colonies? They even used to have one in Hawaii. A leper colony. Years gone by. I don't know if they still have it or not. But there's a certain place that was uh, reserved for that kind of people that had that disease. There are three places where leprosy was found. We've already mentioned it. In a person, in a garment, and in the house. We gave you Leviticus 13.9, 13.47, and 14, verse 34, if you have those verses. In a person, 13.9. In a garment, 13.47. In a house, 14.34. And leprosy in a person is the working of moral evil. And it is certainly... Uh, that kind of working. Now then, we'll have to continue on. Uh, leprosy. If you were to read verse 1 and 2 of the 13th chapter, you'd find that everything of nature must be judged and kept down. It's concerning it. It's important that the priest watch for infirmity. Every form of weakness must be watched lest it become a an occasion of sin as far as we're concerned. What is a type of? And there are hundreds of things which are not sin in themselves. When we think of leprosy as a type of sin, there are many things in, in the world that are not sin in themselves, but may become the occasion of sin if we don't look after them. You'll hear a person say, 
You know, that's not a sin to me. Well, it may not be to you. Paul said that he was free to eat all kinds of meat. He thanked God for them. And he said that if he found out any was offered as a sacrifice to idols, he would not eat of it. But he said, on the other hand, if eating meat, and see, they bought it in the marketplace, and, and if he'd be invited to eat, he wouldn't know whether it's sacrificed to idols or whether it was not. If he was invited to eat of it, partake of it. But he says this, if meat caused my brother to ascend, to offend, I will eat no meat as long as the world standeth. So there's some things that we may do that we feel free to do, and yet if it causes someone else to offend, then what happens? We'll have to keep away from it. Let me just give you an example. And I don't do this, but I've seen people do it. There, some of our ladies, or men rather, and a person that uh, cooks with wine. And you know, it, it's good to cook with. They go, say they, you see them in Walmart, and they're going to that section, and they get some cooking wine. Or the Walgreens. Now then, that's very few and far between. But on the other hand, it does happen. Well, are you going to judge that person just because you see them buying that? Well, some people would. And therefore, it would be advisable not to do it. You can find some other way to cook. It still make good food, right? Because, say, say for instance, you saw me in that section of either one of those stores getting that wine. What would you think? Well, that preacher started drinking, wouldn't you? That's what the first thought had come to your mind. And it may be innocent in itself. Therefore, do not do it. See? If meat cause thy brother to offend, I will eat no meat as long as the world standeth. Suppose you saw me going down to the racetrack to watch those a little ponies run. Which, which, if you just watch them run, what would be wrong with that? But on the other hand, you'd say, preacher, down there betting on the horse races. Isn't that the first thing you'd think? That's what you'd think. That's what you'd think he's doing. So, therefore, I don't go. Because I told you how we used to run up down the street years ago, the more... Uh, hitching racks than there were automobiles up in the middle town of Riadosa. I can name you, let's see, I'll start out and name how many riding stables. There was Weldon's, that's where McCrary's studio was. There was Monty's riding stable, that was up there where the old post office used to be, where that uh, Mexican restaurant is now. That was Monty's. There was one, uh, Maury Bussell's, Maury's. There was a uh, uh, Clofandas, an old guy with a patch on his eye, an old man, one-eyed guy. And then there was, uh, let's see if I can think of it. There was Salise, Lim Salise down here. It was where this uh, fun trackers is. There was a riding stable there. There was five or six riding stables in the mid, in, all up and down the street in Rio Dosa. All at one time. Isn't that amazing? 
You could sure rent a horse easier than you could rent an automobile. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is, uh, but and we used to run. I'll get back to the running. We, uh, buddy of mine, would say, "I'll beat you up to the restaurant," and we'd take off up there. Well, see, so you could tie their horse up first and go in and get their coffee or sandwich or hamburger or whatever, bowl of chili. You heard that story about the fellow that went in. He went in this cafe and he and he ordered a, a bowl of chili. And the waitress brought in the chili out and he looked and then he said, You know, I don't think I can eat chili today. Would you trade that chili for for a hamburger? She said, There's no problem. She took the chili back and and he brought him a hamburger. And uh so uh, he ate the hamburger, got up and started to walk out. She says, "Say, you didn't, you didn't uh, pay for your hamburger." He says, "Well, I traded my chili for my hamburger." <laughs> and she said, "Well, you didn't, you didn't pay for your chili." He says, "I didn't eat my chili." <laughs> he didn't know a thing, did he? Anyway, where were we? Everything, everything must be judged, and you have to watch. Uh, everything of the assembly has to be watched. Now, uh, we must judge ourselves, or we and we would not be condemned with the world. That's what uh, the Bible tells us in one place. So there's a lot of things we have to take notice of in our lives as Christians, because uh, there are so many things that could be sin that maybe in the situation we're in would not be, but if it's going to cause someone else to see it that way, we need to make sure that we don't cause anyone else to say, well, that preacher or that Christian, you know, I saw them there or here or there or the other place. That's why we need not to do things we ought not to do or be associated with things or people or places that we should not be associated with. There used to be a preacher up here, and uh, some of you may remember, but he was a pastor of the First Baptist Church years ago. Some of you may remember the incident. And he wanted to be a big shot like another one that I know from down the other way. They pinned a badge on themselves and went into the saloons to try to make good, you know. They wanted to be debitized and... and uh, be a deputy or some kind of law enforcement. Well, it's a job that was not for them. Now, my dad was an officer, but that was his business. He was an officer. But as a preacher, I wouldn't want to do that. I don't think I have any... Now, in the time past, if I wasn't a preacher, I could have done it and and done good. Maybe that would have been a good thing. But to be a, a preacher and then a lawman to go into saloons and have to deal with a crowd you're dealing with, it's just not compatible is it so you need to understand that whatever you are the people do take notice of it one way or another and what where you go and what you do speaks maybe louder sometimes than what you say and so we must keep our lives clean 
the Bible says concerning preachers, uh, deacons, bishops, that they must have a good report from them that are without. So that the world can't point, point to you. See, that's what happened to old Abraham, remember? He went down into Egypt and he told Sarah, he says, now you say that you're just my sister. You know. Well, it was his wife. And he was rebuked by Abimelech and Pharaoh both at different intervals because he made the same mistake twice. And they rebuked him and said, why did you say she's your sister? One of us might have taken her to ourselves for a wife because she was beautiful to look upon. She was a beautiful woman. And so his half-truth, his lie really, someone says it was just a, a white lie, you know. Just a half a lie. Well, it's just half. That made it a lie. Because even when you leave, leave the false, Im, false impression with people, that really is lying to them. You're telling, you're, you're making them believe something that's not true. Right? When you leave a false impression with other people. And so we have to be very careful about our lives. And only by the grace of God can we keep those things clean in our lives. But God would have us to do that. He would have every one of us to check up and find out if we're living a life that someone could construe as, as not living properly as a Christian, as a child of God. That's why it makes all the difference in the world as to how you live. As far as the testimony of the church is concerned. And every member of it, ought, every member of the church ought to have this in mind. By the way, I can get into a lot of things here. Our whole life. Do you, when you come to church, do you bring your Bible? Someone sees you bringing your Bible, it's a testimony to, to the world outside. When they see that you're regular in attendance, it's a testimony. All of these things are a testimony to people around about you. So you want to be a good testimony and a good witness? Be consistent in your Christian life. Examine ourselves. Uh, Paul says, examine yourselves. And we need self-examination. And by the way, the preacher has to have it. The deacons have to have it. The teachers have to have it. Every member of the church has to have it. None are exempt from this self-examination. We need it desperately. Okay? So some of these trifling things can be very serious if we do not take them to heart. And the priest uh, urgently needed this watchfulness and calmness and wisdom and patience and tenderness because he wanted to... A judgment couldn't be uh, rashly formed. And that follows these expressions. The priest shall shut up this person that hath the plague seven days. The priest shall look on that person the seventh day. The priest shall shut him up seven more days. The priest shall look again upon him. And the priest shall see him. Then the priest shall consider. Then he'll make his judgment after all of this. We said leprosy is a type of sin in the Christian. 
And it is a type of it. So long as sin is working, there can be no fellowship with God or with God's people. When sin is working, if sin is working in my life, there cannot really be any fellowship with God until I confess my sin. That's why you find in 1 John, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the Christian has to confess his sin. And the amount of evil does not matter. One, one little sore, as far as leprosy is concerned, one little sore or the entire body either demands separation. The leper was classified in all these ways. Remember, there was sores and there was, bo- there was uh, all these different things. And if you read the, the condition of the leper in the 13th chapter, you'll find all kinds of things were evident. could be raw flesh. It could be uh, an old leprosy. It could be the whole of his body covered. It could be a lot of things. We'll get to that uh, part about the whole of his body in just a moment. I wanted to uh, bring this out to you. That in verse 12 and 13 it says, And if the leprosy break out abroad in the skin, and the leprosy cover all the skin of him that hath the plague from his head even to his foot, wheresoever the priest looketh, then the priest shall consider, and behold, if the leprosy hath covered all his flesh. Now this was not only true of his physical condition, but it's true of a spiritual thing as well. He shall pronounce him clean that hath the plague. It is all turned white. He is clean. Remember the song, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Now why was it that it had to be covered all over? Because the moment the leprosy turned white, the whole question was settled. It's symbolical of the sinner taking his true place before God. It's kind of a strange regulation, isn't it? So when when we realize that we are sinners indeed, completely, by inheritance, by our own sins, by uncleanness, by sins we have committed, and the associations we used to associate with, and we're we're an all-out leper, all-out sinner, then we're in a condition to be pronounced clean if we repent and God heals us and we're born again and saved because we've realized that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's a real strange regulation. Yet there's this wisdom in it. The typical teaching, we too are lepers indeed. We must see ourselves lost and ruined. We must see ourselves completely defiled. We must plead that we're guilty before God. And then we may be clean through the blood of Christ. And by the grace of God, we can be pronounced clean. And I believe that that's the lesson that we need to learn. And God has time to wait until all of this is true in our lives. Till this disease has covered the whole body. Till we realize we're truly sinners. You know, some folks go through life and say, well, you know, I'm not so bad after all. Not realizing that they're sinners from head to toe, right? Not realize that this leprosy of sin has covered their whole being. And so, we can't go by and congratulate ourselves 
God must bring us to the place and He will wait till the time that we realize that we're diseased. That we're sinners. And the moment the disease took His true place before God, He was immediately pronounced clean. That's what happened with the priest. The very moment he was, he realized such a situation. Now, we find that there's leprosy in a garment as well. And we read the verse that showed you leprosy in a garment, didn't we? On down, remember? I believe it's verse 47, is it? It says, The garment also that the plague of leprosy is in. When we think of the garment, the same patient observation was necessary. When the priest saw this in the garment, evil could creep into our habits and circumstances of life. The garment speaks of our outward walk, doesn't it? And the wrong habit must be given up the 